It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. 11 Sitkins and two non-residents tested positive for coronavirus on Monday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. This comes after an uptick in cases over the weekend, keeping Sitka in high COVID alert. After initially reporting a fourth COVID death in Sitka yesterday, the state revised that number back down to three. The death was a man in his 50s, as reported in a press release from the Department of Health. KCAW has reached out to DHSS for further information on the change in data. Three more people tested positive for COVID in Yakutat in what is now the city's biggest outbreak since the pandemic began. According to a press release posted to the Yakutat Department of Public Safety's Facebook page, there are now 16 active cases in the community. Ten of those cases are local residents, 13 were symptomatic at the time of testing, and over half were unvaccinated. At least two of those cases were elementary school students, and the city is now asking all elementary-age children to stay home until October 1st. A Canadian mining company is exploring claims near Pelican on Chichagoff Island. Millrock Resources CEO Greg Beischer says claims around the historic mines haven't been producing precious metals since before World War II. There was some work done, uh, uh, you know, geological work in the 1980s uh, briefly, but uh, it it really has been dormant since uh, the mining activity took place in the 20s and 30s. About five years ago, the Vancouver-based company applied to the U.S. Forest Service for drilling permits to renew exploration on the claims that once made up the Apex and El Nido mines. But that never happened because Baisher says they weren't able to secure the financing. Since then, Millrock has formed a partnership with the operator of Kensington Mine north of Juneau. That's allowed it to take soil samples on claims less than three miles from Pelican, which has fewer than 100 year-round residents. The subsidiary of Core Mining invested about two hundred thousand dollars for a small team of geologists based in Pelican. They crossed the inlet to take soil samples west of town. Baisher says those sample results are pending, but he says geologists hope they will show that the gold-bearing quartz veins continue down the mountain. And uh, it will hopefully be encouraging enough for our partner to finance uh, drilling to test the quartz veins at lower uh, elevations to see if the gold continues. The work is only one of his company's roughly half-dozen exploration projects in Alaska. He says it's important to keep this in perspective. Many hundreds, if not thousands, of exploration projects like this start. But uh, the cold, hard reality for us exploration geologists is that not many of the projects actually result in the discovery of a deposit, or especially a deposit that could be mined at a profit. Some of the claims were staked by Millrock, but the bulk of them are on private land owned by Apex El Nido Gold Mines, an Alaska company whose primary shareholder is Anchorage attorney Joseph Henry, a former state commissioner of administration. Ketchikan's former city manager has died just weeks after officially retiring after 26 years on the job. As KRBD's Maria Dudzak reports, elected leaders, city employees, and other members of the community paid their last respects to Carl Amelon during Thursday's city council meeting. The mood was emotional and somber Thursday night, with the community receiving news that Carl Amelon had passed away the day before at the age of 66. City Mayor Bob Siebertson read a resolution while a slideshow that paid tribute to Amelon at work, outdoors, 
and traveling the world was shown. As Sievertson concluded, the Council unanimously passed the resolution, and Amelon received a standing ovation. Thank you. Passed and approved by duly constituted quorum of the City of Council of the City of Ketchikan on the second day of September 2021. <clears throat> Sievertson then asked that everyone remain standing. And before we hear the, the people that wish to speak, I'd ask for a moment of silence um, for Carl, as we all know of his passing. Um, thank you. Several stepped forward to share their thoughts. Acting Port and Harbors Director Mark Hilson offered a few words on behalf of Ketchikan City employees who had worked under him over the past quarter decade. All of us that worked uh, with Carl understood that he had exceptional talent. And while it's my belief he could have been successful anywhere in the world, he chose Ketchikan. Our community is far better today because of his choice. City Council Member Mark Flora also spoke. Tonight is a night to take stock of what we have lost, appreciate what we have gained from Carl's leadership, and to remember him here tonight in a respectful, dignified, and honorable manner. Diane Bixby, Amelon's executive assistant, worked for Amelon for almost 15 years. And I can truthfully say that I have never met a more ethical, honest leader or boss. There are people that have nothing but negative things to say, but part of Carl's job was to make the hard decisions for the betterment of the community of Ketchikan. Those people were likely on the receiving end of those hard decisions that he didn't make lightly. The mark of a truly fine leader becomes apparent when they are able to set aside personal interests and influences for the common good. Bixby described how Amelon had guided the city through times of uncertainty and helped steer it during its transition from a former lumber mill town to a world-class cruise destination and then through a global pandemic. There is no other city manager in the country with the broad skill set, intelligence, and dedication to their community, its constituents, and its employees than Carl. Retired City of Ketchikan Finance Director Bob Newell says he's worked with hundreds of individuals in private and public sectors and valued his time with Amelon the most. Many times I wish that the public could have seen what I saw. A city manager who gave up New York for a small community in Alaska and gave that community everything he had. Amelon was born and raised in Corning, New York. He received his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Bucknell University and Masters of Public Administration from Syracuse University. He worked for the city of Watertown, New York in various roles, serving as city manager in that community for 11 years. He and his family moved to Ketchikan in 1995. He is survived by his wife and son. In Ketchikan, I'm Maria Dudzak. A Juno house was damaged in a recent flood caused by road improvements, but the current owners don't hold a grudge against construction crews, and they hope to move back in after the house is repaired. KTOO's Matt Miller has the story. There's a sign in front of Pam Varney and Bob Funk's West Juno house that reads Heen Kuhit. Translated from Klinkit, it means creek house or house by the water. But for a few days, it was literally a house in the water. Dehumidifiers run on the second floor and a musty smell permeates the entire house when I visit. 
Varney leads me down to the first floor where the carpet squishes underfoot. Oh, carpet is still wet. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sopping. Sopping wet, yeah. So this is our furnace room, and yeah, it's just stinky in here. It's just pretty bad. <laughs> Varney says she woke up before dawn September 2nd with water levels rising in the creek that runs just feet from the front door. The water completely covered a footbridge and flooded the house's first floor with more than three feet of water. Our furnace, I believe, is toast. Our septic drain field is toast. Some clothes and downstairs furniture, including a brand new bed, were all likely ruined with water and backed up sewage. But Varney is really worried about baby pictures that got soaked. She hopes they can be dried out and saved. So what happened? As part of the current improvements for the Douglas Highway, bridge, and roundabout, construction crews were installing an insulated liner for a culvert that allows the creek to run under the highway and empty into Gasno Channel. They placed some pumps and created a couple of dams on the upstream side of the culvert so the liner could cure overnight in dry conditions. But heavy rain overwhelmed the pumps. Water spilled over the dams, filled up the culvert, and plugged it up. And that flooded the house and yard. Sounds like you really don't have any animosity toward Seacon or oh, the subcontractors. No, 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 definitely not. It's just I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Maybe not quite that big, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you just move on. It's not yeah, like, yeah, I mean, they were... It's not like they were trying to do it. Yeah, I don't think they realize just how much water comes down this, this creek. And when it really starts raining, the, you could hear the boulders going down. Contractors brought in more pumps and dug up the road in front of the house. A pair of excavators rammed in steel pilings from the channel side to unplug the culvert. Insurance companies for both the couple and contractors are trying to figure out the damages. Julie Olson of the main contractor, Seacon, says it was an unfortunate incident and they're grateful no one was hurt. They've just really been gracious and understanding and, you know, they've said that they don't blame us. They don't think it's our fault. I mean, although we don't really know at this point whose fault it is. They've right. just been nice and we, we're very grateful for that. Varney and Funk bought the greenhouse with red and white trim over 25 years ago, renovated it, and added a garage and efficiency apartment. It's set back a ways with trees and the creek masking highway traffic sounds. Days after the water receded, Varney and Funk were still piling up soaked personal belongings to haul to the dump. They'll need a new furnace and must now connect up to city sewer. The outside siding and the downstairs drywall and flooring all need to be ripped out. It's nothing huge, you know, for contractor type people. Uh, big problem is finding somebody to do it right now. Everybody's busy as a cat in a litter box. The couple are staying with friends and plan to find an apartment nearby while demolition and renovations are underway. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Matt Miller. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.